Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, where we are here to help you respond in faith as we are warning the nation on a whole host of topics, everything rooted in the scriptures. And so we're going to jump in here, and I want to welcome my uh, co-host, Than Christopoulos. Welcome. How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving in today. And I want to mention that we're talking today about the good, the bad, and the ugly as we look at 2020 in review. And there's a lot here. Uh, but uh, I, I want to start us out on the good. I know people have said, you know, 2020 is like a dumpster fire inside of a train wreck. And we want to... Uh, uh, want to look at it a little bit more holistically than that, you know, that there has been actual good. And each of us in our own lives, we can look at personal things for sure. Everybody, God's been gracious to us this year, and we can look for good. And Than, I'm guessing that you have something that you want to share uh, personally. Yeah, I mean, I have lots of good things that happened this year. Um, before, I mean, I guess, first of all, I just, the Lord called me into ministry finally after years of knowing it's coming at some point. Um, and now I'm working with you. The other thing is my son was born t- this year. I mean, what a blessing that is. And then this was actually before I worked with Forerunners, I was in sales and I actually had the best year of sales I've ever had in my career this year as well. So a lot of good things happened this year. And um, I, I know a few people that came to faith. I have a fr- I have a friend of mine that detransitioned and left the LGBT community and came to Christ. And now he's a, wow. he's a forerunner for, uh, truth. And I mean, a lot of good things So God was on the move this year. Amen. And you know, I think that's how it should be for all of us. And as followers of Christ, like regardless of circumstances, even if it's a dumpster fire inside of a train wreck, regardless, we should be believing God for fruit and that we're on the, the uh, we're advancing. We're not hiding in our basement, retreating, whatever. We're seeing God use us. I, I have to mention that one of my highlights is that the Lord not only called you into ministry, but you did, he did call you into Forerunners of America ministry. So welcome again. Well, there's other things that actually happened in 2020 that uh, that are on a national scale that I, I want this to encourage us to respond in faith. I feel like the Lord's hand showed up in something very significant in September and October, and that is this. And let's put all political rhetoric aside, that Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court to me was stunning. Even the timing of it was stunning. But what I'm trying to get at is this, Than. She's an originalist. And I believe not only Christians, not only Republicans, but every American should be rejoicing that Amy Barrett is now on the Supreme Court. Because as an originalist, she's holding to the original intent of the framers of the Constitution. The other aspect of this is to be a part of what they call the living, breathing document uh, uh, philosophy of law, where the Constitution changes with culture. It can uh, be adjusted to the times and so forth. The problem with that is that you can begin to legislate from the bench, because if you're not looking for the original intent of the, of the authors, what you can do is start to 
to shift things and why that is so troubling is because the framers did everything that they did to, to preserve our freedom and to give the people a voice. Uh, well, if you're going to adjust from that, that means eventually we will end up in bondage. So, Dave, what, what about scripture-wise when it comes to Amy Coney Barrett? What, what else do we have to say on, on that topic? Right. Well, uh, the judicial system, it's actually crucial in Scripture. And we could point to many passages, but Second Chronicles chapter 19 is a key one. We often think of chapter 20 where Jehoshaphat and the people see God intervene, and there's this huge victory against this vast army. And it's from that chapter that we get this, this prayer that, Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. But if we back up to the previous chapter, Second Chronicles chapter 19, Jehoshaphat, the king, he reforms the judicial system in, in, uh, in the southern kingdom, Judah. I mean, and it's stunning. If you read through it, he, uh, Jehoshaphat is reminding these new judges, and if we're at the Supreme Court level today, we call them justices, but he says that you need to realize you're not just ruling for man, you are ruling on behalf of God. And if we have, in our case, in our nation, justices that are just legislating from the bench— we're departing from that attitude of really being in reverence to God. Now, in our Constitution, we have the separation of powers. The, the one thing that the judiciary is not supposed to do is create new laws. They're supposed to just simply call balls and strikes related to the laws we already have. Well, uh, Amy Barrett is going to be somebody like that. Now, specifically related to, to what I just uh, quoted out of Second Chronicles 19, Amy Barrett is a believer. She is more likely of almost anybody I know in the judiciary to be doing that very thing, to be ruling in the sight of God, which means she has the fear of the Lord in her. That's also referenced in that chapter. And uh, so she only lives about 25 minutes for, from where I'm recording. And I don't know her personally, but it's kind of like, a friend of a friend kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, Amy Baird is the real deal when it comes to faith. But more than that for the whole country, what I'm trying to get at, but it does flow out of her faith, is that she's committed to ruling out of the original intent that our framers gave us that will help us maintain uh, our, our free speech and other, other constitutional rights, which I also believe are reflected in the Bible. You know, I like what you said, especially about originalists, because not only do, do do people do that with the Constitution, but it seems like people do that with Scripture as well. They try to change the meaning as culture changes. So it's really reassuring to know that there's somebody that's a justice now that won't be doing that, at least in terms of the Constitution. Right, and there's more than Amy Barrett on the court now that are doing that, and that is so healthy for all of American culture. That's why I'm saying putting political rhetoric aside, putting everything aside, we should, every American should actually, in my opinion, be rejoicing over this. Now, <clears throat> she's already made a difference. Um, she's, uh, uh, she's, so she's confirmed on October 26th, exactly one month later, November 26th, she made the difference in a 5-4 ruling that overturned Governor Cuomo's uh, 
uh, I wanted to say edict, but it's an executive order. That would be a more uh, charitable way to say that. But Governor Cuomo was still potentially having restrictions on houses of worship that liquor stores did not have or bike shops. I mean, these, these are not essential, even though most states call them essential, but the church is essential. And the, the Amy Barrett being on the court, because prior to her, her confirmation, it went 5-4 the other way. In fact, it just did a, a number of months ago in this exact area related to religious freedom and houses of worship being open. Um, but this is reverses that earlier uh, ruling. And the majority opinion put it this way, that, that we need to allow people to make their own decisions if they want to worship together in a public space because this will strike at the heart, whether whether there's a, a pandemic or not, this strikes at the heart of uh, the First Amendment. People need to be allowed to decide. So we're already seeing Amy Barrett make a difference. I find, again, the timing uh, amazing of how she got in, when and how, and these kinds of things. Uh, but I think we have other things we can celebrate nationally as well. Uh, Than, do you have anything on your mind? Um, there's something else I think we should be celebrating about 2020 as well. But before we do that, is there anything else you want to say on Amy Barrett? Actually, yes, super important. The most cruel law in the land, Roe v. Wade, 1973, really giving uh, what I would call uh, America state-sanctioned murder or the right to stink state-sanctioned murder. I believe Amy Barrett could be the woman of the hour to see this overturn. Now, she's going to need four other people to vote with her, but we don't know. She's going to interpret the Constitution according to her conscience, according to her uh, um, interpreting of the author's original intent. But I would suggest that, keeping that in mind, it could likely be that she will uh, 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 overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, with that said, uh, you know, we, we can look at other aspects of her life, too. She has seven kids. She's all about life. She has five biological kids. She has two adopted kids. She loves kids. It's all about life. And as I believe the Constitution would prohibit us from taking life, not giving us the, the uh, quote-unquote freedoms to take it, I believe that we, we have been praying about this. We've been teaching the scriptures on this for decades. I believe this could be an amazing, amazing moment, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I'm very excited about that. And it seems like we're actually making some headway finally again on that pro-life stance. So, Right now, if the church can be a supporting cast to the, to the Supreme Court. Now, I, I almost want to say... Um, that the Supreme Court is a, is a supporting cast to the church. That's how it should be biblically. Church is leading. But be that as it may, um, if the church can be saying this is where pro-life is in the Bible, this is not a, a Republican versus Democrat thing. 2,000 years ago, God showed us in the scriptures his point on pro-life. Actually, 4,000 years ago, we need to, as the church, be totally in line with this. And as this is passed, uh, or possibly pass the reversal of Roe v. Wade, then we can all celebrate together. And we're praying in that direction. This could be a powerful moment. Yeah, no, definitely. And that actually kind of leads into the part that I wanted to bring up, which is the fact that it seems like the church is starting to wake up and actually 
be strong again and actually be firm and fight against evil and stand up for the truth. And I'm actually really encouraged by that. Now, just to nuance that a little bit, I would agree to a point. To a point, yeah. <laughs> um, there seems to be, there's always been this remnant, right? People are taking their faith seriously and it needs to make a difference in culture. It's not just about hiding out um, while we're having our quiet time in our most comfortable chair with the Lord or it's about Sunday mornings, but it's about we're salt and light throughout all of culture, all of the time. That's the biblical paradigm. But but there seems to be this remnant that I would agree with you. It's, it's growing like something happened. I would say from September, uh, maybe since the election, whatever, but there seems to be a deeper engagement uh, of this remnant or growing remnant. Yep. No, I definitely agree with that. There's definitely, if, if anything, I think the remnant decided to step up and the people that weren't really there decided to step down. And the Lord's kind of sifted the weeds and the tares a little bit, as you, as I'm sure a lot of people have seen that happen in 2020. Right, and I'm, I'm guessing that this will continue. Um, there's going to be a sifting, and I hope that the body of Christ, I, I want to say even church leadership, both being pastors, elders, deacons, all of it, I hope that the churches move with God at this time because I think there's going to be more and more left behind. And I do not give the evangelical camp uh, an exception on this. I, I, I don't give the charismatics an exception on this. You might think you're all in with God, but if you're not following him right now, I don't think the sifting works out well for you either. And I don't care how much you quote the Bible, how, uh, all these things. That's obviously important and can help us. But we need to be obeying the Scriptures. We need to actually be stepping out in faith. We need to be following what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us to do now. And uh, I think the, sh- the sifting will continue. I, I-, I do want to throw in a couple things here that why I'm personally encouraged at least a bit on this topic. So... On September 26th, I went with a group of, uh, of people and forerunners and so forth. We went to Washington, D.C. to be part of the return, which was this large event where uh, many uh, Christian leaders and pastors were calling the nation to repent on behalf of the nation. So there couldn't be a better uh, event in terms of uh, our, our calling than. And uh, anyway, you know, get there, and I, I felt like when I was driving home from the event that the Lord just deeply impressed me that um, this was a good deposit. This was a step in the right direction. Now, I felt like the Lord was also clear with me that this wasn't like we reached the finish line. But in terms of like truly as a nation uh, going across the starting line, I felt like there was this this encouragement from the Lord, like, keep going. You've actually crossed the starting line. Um, You know, there was a couple other key prayer events. On that exact day, uh, there was also Franklin Graham's uh, prayer march, prayer rally happening on on the the, the mall at Washington, D.C., right while the return was going on. So two amazing events. I got to throw this in there. I'd forgotten this, actually. Amy Coney Barrett was announced as the new Supreme Court uh, justice nominee on that day, on that afternoon, huh. which I find that to be interesting. But then also, uh, also 10 days, it was right in the middle of 10 days when this thing was happening. Uh, and 10 days is a prayer prayer movement based out of Massachusetts. And 
So there was this thing that I sensed that there was a turning of the corner a, a bit, and and God's at least some of God's people were were waking up and moving. Um, also, I've noticed in the last six, roughly six weeks since the election, I've noticed that there are prayer groups, things happening online, leaders calling for prayer, and I, I know locally here, I'm part of a prayer group. Like there has been just a a redoubling of prayer, and uh, this has caught my attention. And I, I, I want to say yes, Than I, I am celebrating as well. It's it's definitely really exciting to see. Um, just because for me, at least, I've been trying to get people to wake up <laughs> for a while now, and seeing it finally happening, it, it's super encouraging to see God at work in that in that area. Mm-hmm. So again, I just want to say super encouraging to see uh, what's going on in our personal lives as we list those things out here at the end of the year. God did work in our lives, amen, even amidst a, a pandemic, even amidst uh, uh, race riots from last summer, even amidst everything else that's going on. He's also, um, he, he has also answered I believe our prayers, even non-Christians, if you, even if they're not praying, I believe Amy Coney Barrett is a reason to rejoice. Uh, and uh, and again, what we're saying here, there seems to be a, a bit of a uh, coming out of our slumber uh, in the body of, of Christ. Christ. Well, we need to shift from um, the good. Now we need to shift to the bad, and we're going to touch on the ugly. But anyway, um, you know, Than, looking at this year, um, I highlighted this in the previous Insights podcast, but we were duped as a nation. We have been deceived. And I'm not going to cover all the same territory or whatever, uh, but it's been become pretty obvious that the original reaction to COVID was an overreaction, that the the media has pushed a fear narrative, even with, I mean, incredibly, with a 99.7% recovery rate from March right till now in mid-December, this amazing recovery rate, we're still being pushed with these, these fearful headlines, uh, most COVID cases to date, um, and on and on it goes. And the, anyway, I don't want to get into all those details, but then also, uh, you know, going to Again, back to the race rights, we do need to purge racism from our hearts, from our families, from the church, from our culture, from the, uh, the vocational world. We need to purge racism from every aspect of society. However, we were fooled by Black Lives Matter and really, I believe, too, how, um, how the media covered, covered that. Uh, it was not all peaceful riots with over $1 billion in damage. The leaders of Black Lives Matter, we found uh, on this recording that went viral on the Internet, that in 2015, uh, Patrice Cullors and her uh, co-founder, Elisa Garza, how they are, they, uh, Patrice Cullors was saying about both of them, that they are trained Marxists. I mean, we got duped. I believe this is part of what I was talking about in the last Insights video that we have to realize that Satan is not only here to deceive you and I as individuals, as Peter said, he looks for somebody to devour. But Satan, according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 3, he is here now and he's deceiving entire nations. And we need to, we need to wake up to this, that there is deception 
broadly throughout our nation. It just kind of circles back to the whole, the truth is stumbling in the streets scripture where the nation is getting deceived. And at the end of the day, we need to look for truth. Okay. So this topic of truth, uh, just the other day, I was reading uh, John chapters 14 through 17. And three times in, in those chapters, uh, Jesus specifically teaching the disciples talks about how the spirit of truth is coming. He calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And it says also, also there that, that the spirit of truth, when he comes, that he will lead you into all truth. Wow, do we need to be holding on to this now? And then in his prayer for his disciples in John chapter 17, he says that they will be sanctified in truth. We have got to be moving in this. This, uh, this whole business of, of declaring the truth, proclaiming the truth, speaking the truth, not falsehood, it's, a, it's, a, it's in the epistles. I, I guess I just want to highlight Ephesians 4 as well, that on every topic, Christians are supposed to be bringing the truth. Yes, the truth of the gospel, the most important truth, but every area so that we don't give our, uh, our next generation over to all kinds of crazy philosophies um, and so forth. So every idea, we need to be focusing on the truth. You know, it, it even says in Ephesians 4 that, that we need to take off the old self, and part of the new self is to walk in the truth. Again, you cannot get away from this, and I believe this is a big message for the church right now. Yep. It kind of segues, I guess, since we're talking about the bad, it kind of segues into some of the bad stuff that is happening this year, such as all the falsities that are going on, if that's a word, falsities uh, with the election. Like the voting machines, the minion software, all the election stuff. I don't want to say the trigger F word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. You know, the bad, uh, I I think we just go there now. You know, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Let's shift from the bad to the ugly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we have had this horrible year in so many respects, and now we're ending on a contested election. And I do believe it's been somewhat ugly, but I think it's going to get uglier even as we transition to 2021. And uh, I want to throw out a couple scenarios in terms of in terms of why I believe this. Um, first off, even though the mainstream media has everybody believing that everything to do with Dominion voting systems, Dominion software, which you just referred to, everything's been debunked. I can pretty much guarantee you it has not all been debunked. And there's a lot of people that are working on this still uh, from a legal standpoint. But that's not the narrative that we get. But um, scenario one is, let's suppose even at this very late hour that somehow uh, Trump's legal team actually starts to see states flip, whether it's uh, Georgia or Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, whatever. But... That will seem to half the country that Trump stole the election. He used the courts to do it. They are not going to take that lane down. If if there was the willingness apart on the part of citizens to riot like they did last summer, I believe this is where it gets ugly. But, okay, let's take another scenario. It goes on as it seems like it's going to from all indications, at least from the mainstream media, that 
Biden is our next president. I believe that moves us into the ugly realm as well, but it will be more within the body of Christ because we will find ourselves having to sort out lies and deceptions on all kinds of moral biblical issues that we just didn't have to fight in the way that we will. For example, Joe Biden has said since the election that it's not just he's going to reinstate the Obama policies on LGBTQ. He wants to expand them. So one thing that President Obama did is he gave us an executive order to all public schools that they had to allow boys into girls' uh, uh, bathrooms because they might feel like a girl and we need to let them go in there. These kinds of things. It was an executive order near the end of his term. But nevertheless, it was there. Joe Biden has said he wants to expand these things. There's something else called the Equality Act, which seems to be more likely to be passed into law that has to do with the LGBTQ issues. There's all kinds of things going on here that uh, that President Trump has stood against. He immediately reversed Obama's uh, executive order on on, uh, boys going into girls' bathrooms and, and vice versa. So... So there's some ugly things here that will surface. It'll just be in a completely different way. I would also suggest that there has been clearly connections. Now, again, you have to look at a variety of media sources, but Joe Biden really being in kind of a friendship partnership with China, and why in the world would we be in a friendship partnership with the leader of a communist nation? And the proof is in the pudding that the underground church, which is believers like you and I, that they have to fight for their lives every day in China. So why are we um, at least tacitly approving, but you might even say overtly approving, with uh, a Chinese uh, regime? And yet that seems to be where Joe Biden um, is going. Let's look at even both scenarios, at least from my generation standpoint. If if the elections don't get overturned and Biden is the next president, I see my generation as very split. I see a lot of people that are going to be upset and they're going to be part of that remnant that are fighting for the truth. But then I think the majority of my generation are going to be celebrating it and we're going to see a lot of rejection of God and his law um, just on a bigger scale than we've ever seen before. But on the flip side, I'm actually a little concerned too about my generation of people because if Trump continues as president and the elections get overturned, I am honestly afraid of what's going to happen. I think those race riots that we saw during the, the BLM stage of 2020 are going to be nothing in comparison to what we'll see to a Trump victory of all these things. So part of how we respond in faith is we need to pray and be praying right now. First, for truth to come forth from the election and not to give up, even though it does seem like it's a foregone conclusion by many that, that Biden will be inaugurated on January 20th. But I'll, I guess I'll come back to this in a second. But we need to be praying for a honest Uh, system in terms of our our voting and our elections. And and with that, then we need to be praying right now for what could potentially happen, that we'd ask God, the God of peace. And he said in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, to pray for peace because it's connected to the gospel. Like we need to be praying for that right now. And it does Mm -hmm. seem like it's more of a a powder keg ready to blow. If, uh, 
if there if Trump overturns this or somehow this turns out in Trump's uh, uh, fa- favor, the other scenario is different, but nevertheless, it's equally as concerning. Now, I want to go back to this election itself, and I, I believe this is part of the reason why, since November 3rd, this has been part of, of the ugly of 2020. Uh, there, okay, th- there has been clear massive irregularities as they like to call as they like to call it mm-hmm. but that but again that the media gave almost no voice to at least the mainstream media this is very disturbing to me because to me this is not fundamentally a, a political political issue although it's it is centrally an election about politics of course but i believe we're wandering into the moral realm and this is why the church needs to be engaged on this mm-hmm. it's moral morally reprehensible and and anti-biblical violating scripture to allow corruption in if there is indeed been enough corruption or even not enough corruption to change the election results there should be no corruption mm-hmm. and i think sometimes we we just run past uh, various topics way too quickly. Like, for example, in Georgia, the Republican vote challengers were, where all the tabulation is going on, they were asked or actually removed from the room. Okay, yep. now, Than, do we really need to look deeply? I mean, yes, we. if it's going to be proved in courts, you would have to have specific evidence. But I'm like, Okay, so the Republicans are removed. That smells awfully funny yep. to me. And then when they did the recount, they, the Republicans were not allowed within 40 feet of those doing the recount. Like, what is that? Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, also, uh, you know, other things have been unbelievable, like uh, the, the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania. They actually added their names to the Texas lawsuit coming against Georgia, saying, and it was against them too, all the swing states, it was against Georgia and, and Pennsylvania and so forth. As Pennsylvania legislators, they were saying, they we're siding with the prosecution. So in a sense, they were the defendant siding with the prosecution because they said it's so overwhelming. And, and, I do need to highlight one aspect of this. In the state of Pennsylvania, they have 250 affidavits, and an affidavit is a sworn statement that is submissible to a court of law as evidence. 250 affidavits comprising 500 pages of testimony that says that uh, that uh, voter fraud took place in in the state of Pennsylvania, and the a senator in that state, Doug Mastriano, he said he's been working his way through those five hundred pages. But do you hear this on the news? Like there is so much evidence, and yet it's being um, it's not being emphasized or given its day, and it needs to be given its day in court. In my in my opinion, for any of our listeners too, something. I- I think is really important as believers is to stand up when we're, we're getting bullied in certain ways. So, you know, you even he, like you said, in the media, the media is not talking about all these cases that we have, all these sworn testimonies, testimonies, all this evidence that we have. But we all, what we are hearing from the, from the media is 
these are baseless claims. We have no evidence, all this other stuff. That's, I I just chalk all that up to rhetorical bullying, right? Well, according according to them, Than, everything's been debunked. Oh, you're talking about Dominion. Oh, that's been debunked. Oh, you're talking about uh, ballot drops in the light. Oh, that's been debunked. I've looked at very specific things and talked to others that are in the know on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has not. That's not true. It has not been debunked. Yeah. So, just for any listeners out there, just when people throw out bait the word these fringe words like baseless claims, debunked, and all that other stuff, there those words hold no weight without any substance to them. So, we need to educate ourselves, know these types of things, so that when when people come to us with these kinds of debunked claims we can actually counter them because otherwise we're just setting ourselves up for failure the point i'm really trying to make here is don't get don't let yourself get bullied by these people exactly and if christians don't speak up on these kinds of issues we're basically allowing the father of lies just to roam the land and to dictate things and that is not what the body of christ is supposed to allow You know, I do want to give a a word from Proverbs 20, uh, a couple verses here that really highlight this. First, at verse 23, God hates dishonest scales. And, you know, we're looking at an election that may have had dishonest scales. Let it be decided in the court. Hey, if, uh, if there's no proof and truly the evidence doesn't add up, well, then we can all move on with peace. But if we don't do this now, when? Will we ever know for sure that we had uh, an honest election? Mm-hmm. Like, if we don't sort this out now, I really fear for where our country uh, is headed. And and in verse 28 of Proverbs 20, there's another interesting verse, and it says, Loyalty and truth preserve the king. So our equivalent is the president. And it goes on to say, and he upholds his throne by righteousness. If Joe Biden is getting in through any kind of voter fraud, according to verse 28 here, this is a horrible way before the living God to begin mm-hmm. your presidency. Like we need to hold uh, people to accountability to actually be getting to the truth on this thing. And in the end, if uh, Joe Biden becomes the president, then so be it. But to to let this go at this moment seems to me to just cause all Americans to not be able to trust uh, trust in our uh, our elections. Uh, so we'll never we'll never potentially be a free country if you cannot yep. trust your elections. You're you're no different from all these countries where one guy gets ninety eight percent because yep. they're con- controlling the outcome. Yep. Well, Than, I think that's going to wrap it up for 2020 for us. Uh, I do want to say that uh, the 2021, I think it's going to be most interesting whichever <laughs> way this goes. Uh, so we're not going to have a lack of material to cover in 2021, uh, I believe. No, definitely not. Well, thank you for joining us for Insights. And uh, we uh, will be praying that uh, you are uh, the Lion of Judah Um, as it says in Revelation 5, 5, following his example as we conclude this year and head in to 2021. Thanks for being with us.